We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Super chat. Thank you, Michael S. Landau experience as an individual trainer and pro ball strength. Uh, I think he meant to say strength conditioning. Yeah, strength and conditioning doesn't prepare him for the intricacies of administrating college program where building young bodies and culture are paramount. He hasn't done it. Well, that, that's not necessarily true because he did do it in the NFL for five years, which is different than college. I mean, look, I don't necess- necessarily – disagree with your concerns about whether or not he can do it. So Michael, that, that would be the first thing I would say is I'm not trying to dismiss the concerns you have. Cause I have similar concerns. The difference is, is this is, this is, this is the type of field where I do think you can make a dramatic shift from one to another, because you still have the knowledge of all the things that go into quarterback development, running back development, receiver development, like, he's not putting Ryan Harris through the same program he put Peyton Manning through mm-hmm. who didn't go through the same program that Christian McCaffrey went through. They were all tailored to that position. So he's got them all. It's now about just bringing it together. And I think that's something that, that you know, look, if you have the knowledge, you can do it. He'll have a staff around him that has done this before. He will have people around him that, that have been part of strength conditioning pro- programs. And so I have a similar concern to you because he hasn't done it, but I don't think it's it's I, I disagree where you say it doesn't prepare him for the intricacies of the other thing. That's where I disagree with you, because I do think in a lot of ways it does. It's just on a different format. It's a different way of doing the same things you've always done. It's on a little bit of a bigger scale, but there's nothing he's going to be asked to do that he hasn't done already. It's just now doing it in a different way. And, and so that would be my somewhat uh, – I would push back on the notion that it doesn't prepare him. It does prepare him, but it's like with anything else. You can be an assistant coach for 10 years and go through all the same preparation to be a coordinator that this other guy did, but when you get that coordinator job, you're not any good at it. This mm-hmm. other guy was. You could have guys that weren't assist, that didn't go through the process as long. Joe Brady was like 29-30 when he got promoted to the pass game coordinator at LSU. He didn't have the track record that other Jared Parker had, 
who'd been coaching for much longer than Joe Brady, right? So guys get to that point, but you know, it's like we see it all the time, Sean. Guys that were really good coordinators become head coaches and they stink as head coaches. Guys that were really good position coaches get promoted to court. Jimmy Lake, one of the two or three best DB coaches in all of football, in my opinion. Just look at the NFL results. He became a D coordinator, not as good. He was a disaster as a head coach, right? So he had all the necessary preparation for it, but when he became a head coach, he wasn't any good at it. Nathaniel Hackett's another guy, like because I'm a Broncos fan. All the, the things that you see in a resume that people look for in these modern-day, young, offensive-minded head coaches, he goes to the Broncos, and it's an utter disaster. He had all the things you would think prepare you for that job, and he was a failure at it. The point being is if you have the chops, you have the chops. There's different pathways to get somewhere. There's mm-hmm. nothing he's done as a strength coach, either with the Broncos or in his private life, that's gonna be that that is gonna be something where it's like, I don't know how to deal with running backs. I don't know how to deal with uh quarterbacks. I don't know how to train DBs, right? He knows all that. Now it's about formatting it over a year-long period where he's always kind of had, okay, I've got this part of the year, I've got that part of the year. I've, you know, but as a personal trainer, he would tell guys, hey, this is what you need to be doing in season. This even though he may not have overseen it. So I think he's done everything he needs to prepare him for the job, but it doesn't mean he's going to be good at the job. That's the difference. We don't know that till he does it. And that's why I was using the example of guys that went from assistants to coordinators and failed or went from coordinators to head coaches and failed because just because you've had the experience to do something doesn't guarantee when you get promoted, you're going to be successful at it. Urban Meyer had never been an offensive coordinator before. Dabo Swinney had never been an offensive coordinator before. They went from position coach to head coach, and they thrived. Yeah. And, 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 and so you never really know. Some guys are just better suited for certain jobs. Sometimes it's a higher-level job that they're better suited for. Maybe they weren't great assistant coaches, but they're great head coaches. Some guys are great assistants, but not head coaches or coordinators. Yeah. That's just the reality of it. So that's my take on Coach Landau is I do believe he's done everything he would need to do to be successful here, but that doesn't guarantee he can put it all together and actually do the job. That remains to be seen. Well, and that, everyone that's advocating for him, Sean, doesn't really know if he's yeah. going to be good at this because it's different. But I would just say I do think he – the things he has done has prepared him to do this job, which is why this he got is, hired to do it. I think what stands out to me, because everything you said was spot on, and to have those questions spot on, uh, I will push back because I think he is uh, very strong in administration just from the business, the international business that he's run with multiple sports and multiple athletes from sports. He's been very successful as an administrator. So whatever he has, I think he's going to be very solid in administrating that. Regardless of whether it's Notre Dame, NFL, he has shown that he can administer it. Now, the biggest question for me is going to be, he was brought in because this is Marcus Freeman's vision. That's why he's at Notre Dame. Is This isn't like he didn't sell himself. This is a vision that Marcus Freeman has for strength and conditioning with the next level he wants it to go to. For his knowledge, this is for the knowledge of Marcus Freeman so he can feel connected to strength and conditioning. And this is something that just didn't pop up. This is something that he's been looking at, you know, over the course of two years to say this is where the program needs to go. So within that, 
if he went out and found the best guy, according to him, then I feel pretty confident that Lauren Landau is going to be able to install something that's going to be beneficial. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the back end, the most important thing for me is going to be recovery. Recovery. Because his core and what he believes lends itself to recovery time from injuries being cut to a greater, a lesser percentage. That's huge for me. So, okay, Jaden Greathouse, Jaden Thomas twist their hamstrings. They're not missing four to five weeks. <laughs> now it's a two to three week thing. And if we see that type of improvement, then that's, that's a pretty well, darn and, good hire. And recovery also makes you not have that many. Proper exactly. recovery prevents you from, like, the best co- the best strength coaches. And, again, I don't know how they get there, but I know what mm-hmm. the end result needs to be. Mm-hmm. The end result is your ability to get players to recover from tough times, fall mm-hmm. camp, um, you know, post-game, tough practices, whatever – prevents you from having all those injured soft tissue injuries mm-hmm. and that's clear was clearly an issue this year and it wasn't just a receiver but receivers where it hit the most the right. recovery process was flawed i don't know right. how i don't know why the recovery pl- process was flawed which is why because those things basically to make it to make it something complicated a little it basically comes down to it's an overworking type of deal you're more vulnerable to certain things it's not the only reason but you can overextend something and pull it that way but a lot of it, those type of things, when it's problematic throughout a position group, it's because your players aren't properly healing before they're going back out there and, and working at a level that's beyond what they should be working at based on where they are in the recovery process. Don't you Basically, think, like, like even this spring, you and I will have conversations from this spring, and we're like, dude, what are they down to right now at safety? Remember that? Like yeah. early in camp, like Thomas Harper kept having the same reoccurring yeah. issues. Like Ben Minich is – playing with the ones and it's like Mm -hmm. yo what's going on with the injuries and like those are things that marcus freeman is watching like dude it's early in the spring and i'm dealing with 
Right. It's my ones really can't even get a run. Right. And I think that's eventually, you know, without us knowing everything. But I think his vision led him to Lauren Landau. And now we'll get to see, you know, if we can get the results. Like, because I think most people are like, okay, can he put weight on a mirror? Like, can a mirror mm-hmm. get weight? Can he keep weight? Can this guy get this? Can this guy get that? I'm going to be watching recovery a lot. Like, yo, are these guys – because injuries are a part of the game. Yep. Like, you can't avoid injury. But recovery is going to be really important. That's Absolutely. The T. Guns, thank you for the mailbag. Should I break out my dancing shoes for later today? You yeah, got to uh, start putting shifts up back on the we're, we're not gonna, like Yeah, we're, I don't think we're going to do – we'll see. I don't think we're going to do that because – just there's a lot of reasons why, but I, I can't get people to not try to guess and then it created this well, I should mm. be allowed to guess. And then and then what would happen was, which is fine if it was all in fun, but then what would happen was is people then take that and they mm. would make their guesses and then run to other places and say IB is saying that this, and it's like that's not the kid we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh so it's just like you know what, like it's just not even worth it. But yeah. Uh should you break out your dancing shoes later today? I'll just say this, man. Obviously, he's referring to Ethan Long, who's going to make a commitment tonight at 5 o'clock between Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and Wisconsin. I would just say I'd I'd probably definitely say you should definitely want to tune in to the 6 o'clock show tonight. And uh, they'll have some things to say about that decision. I'll just leave it at that. But, uh, yeah, Notre Dame has been in a great position in this one for a while. There's no doubt. He, what PQ what to do is Mike Denbrock's success in the SEC something Indy can sell to offensive recruits from the South. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I mean, guys, he went to LSU for two years. He'd been in the North his entire – North or the Pacific Northwest his entire career. I think the only time he was out of the North was like his tenure at Washington. I think he had like mm-hmm. maybe one other non-Northern tenure. Comes down to LSU, takes over an offense, and scored 26 points a game, and immediately jumps him up eight points. Wins, they win the SEC West, beat Bama, scoring over 30, and then comes out this year and they go crazy. That's absolutely going to work. On top of the fact that Mike Denbrock is a very good recruiter. I mean, he's a very strong recruiter. This is going to be the strongest recruiting coordinator they've had since Chip Long. I think Jared Parker did some nice things. Tommy Reese became a good recruiter when Marcus was hired. Because I think Tommy realized hey, I can go after certain guys because, A, I don't have to always go to my boss to get approval to go after Drew Aller or Cade Klubnik, and then he says, no, I don't need that assistance. I can go after who I want, but I finally have a head coach that will help me in this endeavor. And, I mean, Tom Mears will tell you, he became a better recruiter working with Marcus Freeman just because it's like, look, I can go after anybody now because I got Chad, I got Mark, Coach Freeman, I got these guys that can kind of help me. And also because Marcus demanded more from his coaches when it came to recruiting and, but, but Mike Denbrock has a much more proven track record and, and Sean, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to meet and talk with coach Denbrock. He's a very engaging guy. And he's, he, he, he's kind of guy he meets you and he just kind of wins you over like that guy, that guy, that guy acts like he knew me. He has no clue who you are. Walks away. Doesn't remember your name, but in that two minutes you speak to him, you feel like, dude, this guy, this guy's like knows who I am. This guy cares about me. And that's just that's how he is. And it's kind of genuine. He's like, he's genuinely just that type of person where he's just a decent guy. I've shared the story before where I reached out to him and I'd asked him for some advice on a 
one of our customers that was dealing with pancreatic cancer. I think it was, it was prostate cancer. Excuse me. I think it was prostate cancer. Po- prostate or pancreatic. I think it was prostate. Well, Coach Dunbrock had gone through the same thing, which is why I reached out to him. He had battled it. And I, and I don't know what to tell this guy who's struggling with this, but I want to do something more than just pray for him. I want to be able to encourage him. So Coach Dunbrock gets the guy's name and contact information, sends him this really long email about encouraging him and do this. And do, and it's just like he didn't have to do that. That's just the kind of guy he is. And so it, it, it's genuine. Sean, you know, kids, most kids see through that, that, that fakeness. Right. And so that's what makes him such a good recruiter because he 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 has that swagger. He's kind of got that personality. He's like a he's a 59 year old going on 35 in how he engages with the young people. I mean, and I don't mean that. I mean, but he's just got like some presence to him and it's not force. It's just who he is. And so, you know, when, when, when you when you get around him, you feel a, you feel a genuineness. This, the track record speaks for itself. I mean, in the last four years as a position coach. Mike Denbrock has has done what he did at LSU, and then the two years before that, he hadn't lost a regular season football game in three years at Cincinnati, and had gone to the play, only Group of Five team to go to the playoff. Mike Denbrock was their offensive coordinator, right? So the track record speaks for itself. When you throw in the fact that he's a grinder and he's got that personality, that cares kind of a charismatic personality. I mean, you get and Sean, I'll tell you the backstory of what I heard today about how this all came to be today. Uh, some things I found out today. I'll share that with you later. But um, you're like, oh man, this is going to be fun. This is going to be really fun having him and Marcus Freeman and Chad Bowden and all these guys on the same recruiting staff. Mike Mickens, goodness gracious, with and Al Washington, who was a year ago was one of my question marks on the recruiting trail, and now you're looking at what he's doing. You're like, okay, this is going to, who boy, it's going to be fun. I, be fun. I, I truly believe one of the unsung things that will come out of Mike Denbrock's return to Notre Dame is the timing of Marcus Freeman and his knowledge of the offensive side of the ball being elevated. You see, his off the guys he had currently or previously at OC are not guys that are going to sit down and really be able to, like, give him just knowledge of one side. Like, he talked about extensively, like, the knowledge he got from Al Golden the moment he got to Notre Dame to D.C. Like, yo, I've learned a lot from And Al that's Golden. his area of expertise, Sean. Exactly. Now, Mike Denbrock, you sit down with him. I can just see Marcus Freeman being engaged in offensive conversations like he's never been engaged before and being willing, willing to give. How can you not? I, we do. Right. You looked everything you just spoke about the LSU stats. LSU passed the ball fifty one percent of the time, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like a wide open. It was, with throwing it, the ball. It, I would say it, it, they called pass plays at a higher rate than that because all those scrambles from pass plays result. But yes, correct. Right. They were a team that averaged over two hundred yards rushing this year. Well, we're talking about efficiency, right? You don't have to throw the ball 60% of the time to be an explosive passing team. Mm -hmm. You can still run the ball 49% of the time and have the highest yards per carry in the country. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's LSU's offense. Six, I think it was like 6.2, something like that per carry. Yep. So, look, it's about efficiency and what he can bring to give Marcus Freeman a greater knowledge of the offensive side of the ball, which is going to make him a better head coach. These are the things that Mike, the ancillary things that Mike Denbrock brings to the table that goes beyond recruiting, play calling, and things in game. 
that I think is going to ultimately have a great impact on the total football program. And Marcus Freeman as a head coach. I mean, you get yeah, Al Golden and Mike Denbrock. You talk about preparing for a game, they they might not execute, but Notre right. Dame should be prepared. Well, the other thing too is you're gonna you're gonna when 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 Coach Denbrock says something that maybe you don't necessarily agree with, you're gonna have you're gonna give him a little bit more a little bit more benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. when in those situations. That's that's also part of it. Mm-hmm. And and so you, you that's also where the, the, the experience comes into play, Sean, because Coach Freeman say, Hey, I want to do it this way. You know, Coach Parker, Coach Reese may say, No, it's but you're you're you don't have the track record to convince me otherwise. Mm-hmm. I know he does, right? And so that that'll be part of it too. But he's mm-hmm. also a team player. So he's not going to go in there and just like tell Freeman, "Oh, you're doing this is stupid," and you know, I, I'm going to do what I want anyway. Like, there's going to that's that that previous relationship is important because there is a mutual respect there of that of because OC and DC spend a lot of time or should spend a lot of time talking in the off season and getting to know. Hey, here's how camp's going to go. Here's what we're working on. You know, what do you think? Any good coach, if you're a young coach and and, and you want to talk about how do I learn? If you're a receivers coach wherever you are, high school, wherever, if you're not spending time talking to DB coaches on your staff and in your area, you're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. And vice versa if you're a DB coach. Because, yes, you need to talk to other receiver coaches if you're a receiver's coach and other DB coaches if you're a DB coach. Of course you need to do that. But you also need to be talking about the other. Um, uh, Al Washington talked about this in 2022. He's like, I spend so much time picking Harry Heastan's brain about what we're doing, about what gives them problems. Like, that is so smart. Right, like, yes, I want to learn from the best O line coach in the business mm-hmm. because if I can do things to beat his guys, I'm golden. Right, and then we may think what we're doing here works, but they know how to stop that. How do we counter it? Like, that's what I I, I used to. I said this bar. I coached with Justin Lustig for two years when we were both at Christopher Newport. He's now the special teams coordinator for Clark Lee at Vanderbilt. We would literally spend time in the off season sitting down, talking ball. Hey, man, like you guys kicked our butts last year when we do one on ones and and getting off the line. What can we do? That, like, what what was it? What can we do that gives you problems? How can we improve here? Or he may say, hey, to me, like, you know, you guys are really good at, you know, off man beating us with this. And what are you guys doing? And do we have any tells? And you have those conversations. Like, yeah, okay. Every time we do this, we know we can get you guys to do this. You, you make it easier for us. We know we can stem you this way to get the proper separation between the safety on our post routes because we know if we lean you outside, you'll keep working outside. Mm-hmm. You know, so work on hey here, you know, protect the outside, but you know maybe try to force us to declare to get inside more, you know, a little quicker to allow us to to not prevent you know present that gap between the outside corner and the safety. So basically, if I'm running a post route and and I just go vertical here and that safe, I've made it. But if I can stem you out here, get vertical, then go to the post, I'm now five yards wider. That's five more yards that your safety has to travel. So if you as a cornerback's coach can say, hey, we're going to prevent them from stemming us outside this way, mm-hmm. then we're going to be better here, and this is how we do it because this is what those receivers are being taught. These are the tells that they get from us You know that we can maybe mix it up to where we show outside leverage but actually jump inside trick you into stemming us wider but in reality we want you to go wider you know and so those are type of things that you do that good coaches do so i know that marcus freeman and mike Dembrock have spent a lot of time talking ball 
in their, what, four years together, three years together at Cincinnati, 17, 18, no, four years, 17, 18, 19, 20. They were there for four years. And then Denbrock was there for six. Marcus was only there for four because he left and was at Notre Dame. No, actually, Denbrock was only at Cincinnati for one extra year after Freeman, so five. They, he left in 21. So anyway, that's uh, so, so there's that knowledge, that faith that, hey, I know this guy is – I know like, – I trust this guy. If he tells me to do something, I know he's thought through it, and, and I know that he thinks it's going to work, and there's a reason why. And having that faith in your offensive coordinator that who's done it mm-hmm. is, is, to me, going to be extremely beneficial for Marcus Freeman. Extremely mm-hmm. beneficial. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Greg Listener, thank you. Listener, I'm sorry, Junior, thank you for the super chat. What's up, Brian and Sean? It was good meeting you at the Sun Bowl. Yeah, it was. was. Yeah, that was was. at the meetup. Yeah, so I was down on the other end. and Because, like, obviously, you look at his avatar, I know what Greg looks like. Yeah. And so I looked down, and I he just came in and sat down. I didn't even see him at first. And so I went down and, and talked to him. Really good dude. Got a chance to meet Michael A. Got a chance to meet Tanner Cornet. Uh, got a chance to meet a lot of good people down there, man. That was a blast. Really. What was El Paso? Was El, El Paso a good – was it a good host city, a good time? don't know. I okay. went to – because I wasn't – I was still dealing with that coughing stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, when I wasn't at the meetup, I was back at the hotel. So hmm. I didn't do a whole lot, to be honest with you. While I was down there, but I had some people down there that said it was a good time. Said it was a good time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've heard the same thing. Yeah. It's weird looking over across the border at Juarez and there's always, there was always something on fire. Yeah. There's always some kind of billowing. Maybe it could have just been tires being burned. It could have been, but it's just, there's always something over there on fire. And I was like, okay, yeah. that's, that's why I'm hanging uh, out in the hotel. <laughs> why is the old miss running back in the portal? Thank you, Tyler Evans, for the super chat. Money. That's it. Yes. I mean, it's it. Money. He wants to get a payday somewhere else. And Ole Miss isn't willing to give them to him. And I can't say that I blame him, to be honest with you. I can't. Indy Milton fan, thank you for the super chat. All the Pistons, all, all the Pistons firing for Indy now, or are there still parts of the program you worry about? Happy New Year, Iris. Well, no, they're not firing on all cylinders yet. I mean, I still have question marks about you know, how good is Joe Rudolph? I know he's solid, but is he better than solid? We'll find out. You know, I, how good of a quarterback's coach is Gino Gadouli? I think that's a question mark. I mean, I like – with both guys, I like what they did with the young guys this year. Didn't yeah. necessarily love what I did with the veterans. Well, there could be a lot of different reasons why that was the case, and I don't know which one is true. 
So it's kind of like a, it's not that I think they did bad jobs. It's like, it's a, to be determined. Some things I like, some things I didn't like, yeah. you know, can, can Chris O'Leary recruit the way you need him to It's getting there, you know, yeah. but it, it's, it's still a work of progress. Can Al Golden get out of his defense in 2024 with a lot younger players, what he got out of his defense in 2023, where 10 of your 11 starters were either seniors, fifth year seniors or 60 year seniors. Yeah. And your only non-senior order was Benjamin Morrison. Right. So you're going to be much younger next year. You're going to be younger at linebacker. You're going to be younger in the secondary than you were this year. Can he get the same out of it with a, with a younger group? I, I'm, I'm optimistic he will, but I'm saying like, that's a question that still needs to be answered because we haven't seen him do it. There's still, can Marcus Freeman build the proper culture to get through a 12 game regular season and then go do damage in the postseason? I don't know the answer to that yet because he hasn't proven that he can. Can they avoid that just not show up game that we've now seen once in each of the last two years, Stanford 2022 and Louisville last year? I don't know the answer to that because we haven't seen it. I'm optimistic he can do it. I believe he's got the chops to do it, but I got to see it. So there's still some things that they've got to prove this year that are question marks. I'll say this, however, they're as close as they've been in a very long time from the proper coaching staff, commitment from the administration, something Lou Holtz never got during his yeah. tenure. The talent, the ability to, for talent acquisition, Chad Bowden and his staff are elite, elite. Marcus Freeman gives them a lot of authority, but also still is a dog on a recruiting trail, right? So he doesn't just trust Chad. Like the difference is Chad is, is Marcus's Vinny Serrato. There's two differences. Yeah. Chad's got a much better staff. Whereas Lou just said, Vinny, go get me this. Marcus says, I'm still part of this process. And so then Chad knows how to properly use Coach Freeman and that staff. Use Coach Freeman and the assistant coaches. And so don't um, undersell the magic, the magic tricks in the living room, though. No, I'm look, Lou was the closer. <laughs> that was his role. Yeah. Right. And Coach yeah. Freeman is still learning how to close that way, clearly getting a lot better at it. But yes. the difference is, is that Marcus is going. Coach Freeman is going to be a dog on the trail, where Coach mm -hmm. Holtz and Coach, even with Joe Moore, Joe Moore was very much a go find me dudes and I'll coach them up. Joe Rudolph is yeah. more engaged in that process. Yeah. This is who I like. This is who I want. Now help me go get them. Right. So it's a different deal, but it's like the town acquisition going on in Notre Dame right now is outstanding. Now it's about can the development of the culture and the program be there, and that's what, that's to me is the greatest unknown about Coach Freeman right now is that part of it. I'm optimistic he's going to get there just because of how pissed off he was down the stretch of the season. Even when they were blowing teams out, that he, he was, was not happy. he did not care. He, was so not you happy. Could, he wasn't selling for anything. But can he push the right buttons? That's what we'll find out. But what the message that Marcus Freeman and Jack Swarbrick sent to the entire football program is, we're going to do whatever it takes. Here's the thing, though. If we're going to commit to this, that means we're we're raising we're raising the standard even higher. Mm -hmm. I just spent to at least two and a half million dollars on a new offensive coordinator. You better flip and do what he says, right? You better hold up your end of the bargain, position coach, player, quarterback, whatever. I just spent a lot of money on the strength program, hired a new coach. We're going to expand the staff. We're going to renovate this, that, and the other. We're going to spend millions on the strength program. You better give me results, Coach Landau. Players, you better do what you're being told to do. So you just raise the bar for mm -hmm. everyone. And that's a that's as pleasant to see as opposed to 
well, we're just going to, we had a down season. Let's make a million excuses and just convince everyone to carry our water about trying to convince the fan base. You can't win here because it's too hard. Right. Which we had to deal with for a decade. This this isn't freaking good enough. 10 and three is not good enough. Being a top 15 team is not good enough. I didn't, I wasn't brought here to go 10 and three. I was brought here to compete for a championship. We didn't get it done. These are the moves we need to make to get it done. And so that part is exciting, Nathan, but there's still a lot that they have to prove from a result standpoint. But I'm as optimistic now as I've been in a very long time. When you just look at the combination of talent acquisition on a coaching and player standpoint is as good as it's been in a very long time. Very long time. Because even when Brian Kelly went through some periods where they were recruiting well, like early on, you're like, yeah, you're recruiting these really good running backs to play for Tim Hinton. You know, and and it's like, and Brian Van Gorder. Yeah, you got Jalen Smith, but you wasted him for two years because you had him under Brian Van Gorder. So what's the point? You know, and now it's like, uh, I I, will Notre Dame have an elite defense next year? Remains to be seen. Are they going to be good? They're at least going to be good. Yeah. Right. Like that's the baseline without gold. That's the floor without gold. They're at least going to be pretty good. They're at least going to be a top 25 defense. The question is going to be can they be top five again? Yeah with a younger group. That's the question, but the, the bar is still there. You know what I mean? And, and that's the difference now from where it used to be. So very, very good question. Very good question. Iris blooded. Thank you for the mail back. We know the pros of a 12 team playoff for Notre Dame. What might be some of the cons that Notre Dame fans might not be thinking of for a 12 team bracket for Indy? Well, I mean, there's still the option, the pot, the reality of the fact that you still have to win a fourth game where the other four best teams along with you only have to win three, right? So of the top five teams that are conference champs, four of them are going to get a bye. Notre Dame never will. So that's still just – that's one more opportunity to get beat. That That's a con. It, it You could say it's also a pro because you, you do get that extra game because you're already off during the conference championship weekend. Now you have an extra week of, you know, prepare, you know, time to prepare, but you're also an extra week of not playing. And then you got to jump right into after a month into playing one of the top four seeds. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they had a week, uh, you know, they've played more recently than you. Now you get that first round game to kind of say, okay, yes, we got to win more, but we get this first round game against a 12 seed or an 11 seed or a 10 seed, hopefully. And, or even if a 12 seed, but you still get in where you've got to now you know, go, go play. You've got a, a game to get under your belt before you get into those top four seats. Right. So I think that's a benefit, but at the same time, again, when you play more games, there's more opportunity to get beat. That's just the reality of it. And so that, that to me would be a bit of a con. The other ones to me, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if there's any that are cons for Notre Dame specifically that aren't cons for other people. Yeah. You know, you, you always run the risk of if you're the five seed, there's a chance you have to play that red hot 12 seed that lost three games in September, like USC. But although USC 2016 would have been like a nine seed, but let's say Notre Dame's an eight seed and you've got to play this red hot, probably a top two to three team in the country, but they're seeded eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 because they had a, because remember that year USC started off one and three, yeah. but then they made the quarterback change to Sam Darnold and then that team took off and they were a completely different team in November than they were. Right, right. Washington year they, that yeah. year Washington. at Washington by two touchdowns. That's the year Washington went to the playoff mm-hmm. that year. 
that team could have done some damage, done some damage in a 12-team playoff. And so uh, you always run the risk of having to face that I, team in the first round. It's not like you said. This wouldn't be specific to Notre Dame, but I think it bears watching. We were talking about Lauren Landau and recovery. You start adding the extra games with the big, without the big layoff now, recovery is going to be huge. Like the logistics. Like because you've got like basically less than a month now. Yeah, play a playoff game and play four straight games. So four straight games. So right. now, like the logistics, you know the logistics of like getting to a bowl game when you have prep time. But now you have to. Okay, how fast are you leaving that game? Yeah, to get back to South Bend, or are you staying where you are, going to the next location? And like you know, <laughs> what are you taking equipment wise to make sure your players can recover? All of that. That's. That's an investment. That's going to be an investment for all the schools, right? And the halves are probably going to be able to invest more than, say, you know, Liberty might have been the 12th seed this year, right? So if Liberty wins a game, you know, do their resources match up with the next team? That part of it is going to be interesting, but that's a problem across the board. Here's another one, Sean. So looking at next year's schedule, I am going to pull up the schedule that I put up on the board yesterday because somebody asked about the college football playoff schedule. Mm-hmm. And here, Here's what it is. So the first round playoff games next year are on December 20th and December 21st. So looking at Notre Dame's schedule, I believe their last game of the season is on like the 30th. Let me just look that up. So next year, their last game is on November 30th. So that's three weeks of preparation for that first round game. Then you got to play four to win it. The next games are the 31st and the first, and then the semifinal games are the ninth and 10th, and then the title games on the 20th. Here, people are saying, like, you're going to have all these teams if kids aren't going to jump in the portal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, that's just, this is going to get interesting because now you're talking about the last two games are going to be played between January 9th and January 20th. There's going to be schools that are starting classes before the championship game is played. Mm -hmm. How is that going to impact? So you're going into your fourth week, and all of a sudden these kids are leaving because they're going to the portal. You just lost a bunch of your depth. People think that these kids aren't going to leave. Malik Murphy left. Yes, His team was in the playoff. He still left. Mm -hmm. Michigan had kids jump on the portal. They didn't play as much. They weren't as important as Malik Murphy, but they had it because of the calendar of the portal. How does that change with the four-round playoff game next year, playoff games next year? That's going to be something I'm very curious about, too, because some of these kids who are depth players, like does Nana have to not play in the playoff because he's going to he's going to go to TCU? Right. He has no choice because if we make a run, like so now are we going to see like FSU losing a bunch of starters? No, but there's going to be some depth players that may have to still make some decisions because if you're a playoff team. And that's going to be very interesting to see how can they impact and alter the calendar Hey, do all power five schools have to make an exception? Like, do we get everybody on board to say, hey, listen, we will accept these kids later into the semester than normal because of certain situations. If your team makes the college football playoff, we will give you grace up to two weeks after your season ends to still start classes, even if the Mm -hmm. semester has ended. And that gives kids some time to then jump on the portal once their season is over and still get caught up. We, we will commit to working with student athletes if the portal is going to stay the same as it is now, where yeah. you can just transfer right now. 
Of course, the best way to fix this is to go back to kids having to sit out a year. But yeah. there's too many cowards in the college football leadership. They don't. They won't fight for that. In my opinion, it's, it's amazing to me that they didn't give instead of three weeks, two weeks off, because now they literally run into the, the heart of the NFL playoffs. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And it does like now they end literally. They steal the show the Monday after the right. NFL season ends. Well, and it's here's perfect. what's stupid about it, Sean. The, the the next year the games are playing being played on Friday, Saturday, the first round, but then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Monday. And then in 2025, you play Friday, Saturday, the first round, and then the next is Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Monday. So it's like you're you, you know you can't compete with the NFL. Mm-hmm. So you have games on these Mondays and whatever. Whereas to your point, if you maybe start a week sooner and then just go four weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. But they want to have still have they want to have their cake and eat it too. They still want to have games on the thirty first and the first both years. Okay, well you got to kind of stop caring about that a little bit. You shouldn't have twelve games, twelve days between the first round and the quarterfinals in twenty twenty five, and then there's only eight days between the quarters and the semis, and then now there's eleven between the quarters and the championship game. That's stupid scheduling. Mm-hmm. That's stupid scheduling. That's so dumb. But it's this whole, well, we want to have games in the 30 for blah, blah, blah. It's dumb. It's stupid. Right. And so every other playoff, every other playoff in the planet, once you start, you're playing Saturday, 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 or in the NFL, Sunday, 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 Sunday. Mm-hmm. Right. But in college football, they're playing on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. There's bigger gaps between the quarterfinals and the semis than there is between the first round and the quarterfinals. Or excuse me, there's opposite. There's bigger gaps between the first round and the quarters than there is between the quarters and the semis. Make that make sense mm-hmm. for me. You know, so it's just, it's so dumb, but that's just, that's what they do, you know? And somebody, I can't remember who it was the other day said, I think it might've been Josh Pace. Like you got to get the NFL in the room. You've got to get the NFL in the room as you make these changes to college football. They've got to, you've got to get them on board with, Hey, we can't do this if you guys aren't willing to do this. We're going to play on Saturdays in December and January. Can you guys not? Can you guys play on Sundays and Mondays or something like that? See if they'll get on board. Or, you know, hey, look, um, we'll get on board with you about this. We'll only have a night game or, only, you know, whatever. You guys have your after whatever. I mean, you've got to do something. But there's right, just the super wild card. Now super wild card is like Saturday through Monday. Right. Right. So. Right. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. It's going to be very, very interesting. Kiki, what it do? Does any assistant enter next year with more pressure on them than Joe Rudolph? All the other assistants are either proven so far or new. Has to replace both tackles and center. Huge year for Joe. I would argue Gino Gadouli has every every bit of pressure on him that Joe Rudolph does, if not more so. Man. Man. So, I mean, look, Joe Rudolph's offensive line was not great this year but it wasn't nearly as proven as the quarterback that Gino Gadouli was working with. You say, well, yeah, but Gino did a good job getting the young guys ready. Well, so did Joe Rudolph. Mm-hmm. When you look at how Ashton Craig and Charles Jagasaw and Billy Strouth play when they were put into the game, he did the same thing. I mean, one of the best offensive line performances we saw all year, top five performance was in the bowl game, right? I mean, well, you know, some people, well, you know, look, look, look what Sam or Steve Angeli did in the bowl game. Right, exactly. Great job. But Joe Rudolph did the same thing. So I think both of those guys have a lot of pressure on them this season. And I think the third one is Marty Biagi because you've got to get your special teams better now going into year two. So I, I would argue those three guys have the most pressure on them this year. 
And I would argue that that Gino has more, in my opinion, because he won't be as young. There will be more, we'll be more willing to give Joe Rudolph a little grace with a true sophomores and redshirt sophomores and a new look line than I'm going to give Gino Gadouli, who's going to have flipping Riley Leonard, Kenny Minchie, CJ Carr, and Steve Angeli at quarterback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yes. Now, I'm confident that Coach Gadouli is going to do a good job. That That's different. Like, I, I believe he's going to do a good job, but it doesn't change the fact that he has a ton of pressure on his shoulders to do that good job. That's the difference. Same thing with Joe Rudolph. I, I think Joe Rudolph's offensive line is going to play better than some people think. The question is, will it be elite? Because anytime you're in year two of a system and you're a proven coach, you're, your guys are going to be better. It's the same argument we made last year with Al Washington and Al Golden. I don't right. know how, if they're going to be elite, but they're going to be better just because there's they know players better, players know them better. Even though there's some losses, they're going to be fine. Now, the question is, how good will they be? How much better will they be? That was the only question that we had, Sean, about this defense was, it's going to be better. Yeah. I just don't know how much better. Same thing with the O-line. I think it's actually going to be better next year, even though it's going to be younger. The question is, how much better? Yeah. And same thing with Gino Gadouli. Uh, he, to me, that's a bigger question mark than the O-line because he's going to have a brand-new quarterback that he's never worked with before. And it's going to be up to him to get that kid ready to go. Look, I'll say one thing. You look at it, outside looking in, agree. There's pressure. I think Joe Rudolph is sitting back saying, I got some young dudes. He better be. We, we can sit here and say, yo, the inexperienced, I don't know. And Joe Rudolph is like, yo, I got some young dudes. And Joe Rudolph sees the schedule and knows. And with the expansion, like, dude, we can actually, this line needs to be peaking in November. Because mm-hmm. even if they're not at their best, we can win football games early with this schedule. Okay, yeah, Texas A&M, the staff. Hey, Mike Elko's doing an incredible job putting together a staff. I love his hires to this point. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a tough game on the road. Notre Dame is going to have the better roster. They're going to have a better roster. Better quarterback. They should win that game. They should have won that game. They'll have Louisville. I think that's a revenge game. I think they smacked Louisville at home personally as it sits here today. And then they get into a, man, a really soft schedule. But teams will jump up. You know, certain teams will be better, this, that, and other. That's the way it plays out. But I just really think Joe Rudolph, That's they're not like one of the biggest questions to me. It's a question. But I would much rather be young and talented than experienced and okay. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like give me a young, young, talented play rather than an experienced, okay play. Yep. And he has a lot. I mean, the dude, look, Derby Lambert is coming, man. Like, mm-hmm. not like he's getting, he's, he has a dude coming that's going to push somebody in fall camp. If they're not careful, and that within itself kind of gives. Uh, I guess I'm speaking for the. If I was Joe Rudolph, I wouldn't feel pressure because I would just be like, "Okay, I get I gotta, that. I get I that. Do my job." You know, pressure is when you have like, you know, you got two and three stars, and it's like, "Hey, man." Well, yeah, it's a different kind of pressure. I mean, you, you. you Hey, I have these dudes. It's my job to make sure they play well. Most mm-hmm. coaches have the confidence in themselves that they don't look at it like, 
oh, gee, if we don't play well this year, I'm going to get fired. I mean, if you have that kind of belief in yourself, you probably shouldn't be at a place like Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So I think that's true for Gino and Coach Rudolph. For me, however, again, the nature of the youth of his line is we are going to be more willing to give them a pass if they don't play well against Northern Illinois or Miami of Ohio because mm-hmm. they still won. But it's kind of like, but you better play well in big games. So there's definitely pressure on Joe Rudolph, no doubt. But Coach Caduli doesn't have that same excuse. You've got a veteran quarterback that you guys handpicked to be your guy, right? Like he's played a lot of football. You got to get him ready to go play at a high level. And you can't have two years in a row that you went out and got a veteran quarterback with a good reputation and you didn't get the most out of him. At some point in time, you're like, either y'all don't know how to handle transfers. Mm-hmm. You don't. You guys don't know how to make that transition with a transfer quarterback, or you're just not. A, you don't have good quarterback development. But if he comes out and and we see Kenny develop and Steve develop and CJ develop and Riley comes in and balls out, mm-hmm. then you say, okay, Gino's Gino's that dude, right? Coach Freeman says he's one of the best quarterback coaches in college football. I don't know that we can answer say that that's true right now. Uh, we can't say it's false either. It's a bit of an unknown. Next year, two years of being able to go through this, we'll have a much better idea of of what what's true or not. I'll read this one real quick, Sean, from Irish Blooded. Have you studied the go-go offense at UNLV? If so, what do you think about it? I have not, but that's actually something I want to do this offseason, Irish Blooded. So if you can hit me up on the message board as we get into, like, you know, post-spring, that'd be a great summer conversation to have to look at that. So please just maybe bring bring that up to me again once we get through the spring, and it'll remind me to kind of dive into the film because that'd be a really good, fun summer conversation and maybe on the CFB Nation channel. Yeah. Let's go break down some some of the offenses that are around there, some of the top defenses, because we're gonna we're gonna hopefully do a lot more of that stuff here with CFP Nation in the offseason. That'd be a really good conversation to have. For I think sure. They lost they lost their quarterback. Yeah, he they, he he jumped in the, the portal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 